As we remain standing, let us pray. Open your word to us, Father. Open our minds that we might understand it. Warm our hearts that we might love it and savor it. And strengthen our wills that we might live it out in your world. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. You just notice the reference to the moon in the psalm reading. Did anybody see the full moon last night? Hunter's moon was just like, ooh, it was bright and big and wonderful. It was awesome. Uh, faculty of St. Francis, I want to just take uh, the opportunity to say what a privilege it is to work in harness alongside uh, you group of professionals who love the students that come through our doors. It's a great honor. I respect you so much. Uh, alumni, if anybody's been a student at St. Francis, you raise your hands. Well, I know we have some alumni who have uh, at least been there for part of that time. No, all you guys. Yeah, come on. Okay. You guys are students. Great to have you with us. Um, if you were to choose a reading out of the scriptures for Episcopal School Sunday, it would be hard to do better than the epistle we have today from 2 Timothy. So I invite you to take your bulletin and open it up and uh, have a look at it uh, with me as we work through it. Would you open that up to 2 Timothy chapter 3? As Paul, this is a letter from the great apostle Paul to Timothy, his friend, someone he's taken under his wing, his protege. And he begins by saying, but as for you, throughout the book of Timothy, Paul keeps making a distinction between people who are kind of going astray or going after their own desires and then calling Timothy back and saying, you know what, you're different. As for you, I have something else in mind because you've learned something and firmly believed it from childhood. One of the great things about St. Francis is the young kids that come to us. Because they're so formative and impressionable. And I think uh, next year at Episcopal School Sunday, not only should we invite the school to our Sunday church, but we should invite our congregation to come to one of our chapels. Because our chapels are so wonderful, especially in primary school, where the kids just their imagination and creativity, their openness to just meet with God and have some fun doing that. And so Paul says to Timothy, continue in what you have learned. Stay the course. Stay firm. Think about who you are. He says, but as for you, and then he has instructions that are different. If this is if you've chosen to follow God, things will be different. The, actually, the Greek word in the New Testament for church is the word to be called out. Ekklesia means to be called out. No, we're not called out of the world. We're in the world to bless the world. But we don't take the world as our perspective or marching orders. It's something different. God has a special thing in mind for us. As the culture proceeds to go off in all directions, Timothy receives the charge, continue in what you've learned. Abide in it. Stay the course. And you've got to think, what are we teaching kids in our school or Sunday school? That's going to help them and assist them out in the world to find happiness, to find their groove, to find fulfillment. What is it we're teaching them? And is it going to make a difference? I don't know if you watched the end of the University of Houston Cougar football game last night. Did anybody watch the last few minutes? It was just an exciting game. A ranked team at the home game against Tulsa. And they're struggling badly. And uh, they're tied and then... Uh, Tulsa goes ahead, it looks like we're going to lose, and then there's a fumble, we return it, it's going in, and then we tie it again with about 20 seconds left, uh, Tulsa's like on the goal line, 
and it passes to one of the receivers. He's in the air, about to go into the end zone, and the Cougars stop him on the goal line. Just amazing. They won. Last week, they lost to an unranked team. So the reporter comes up to the coach, Tom Herman, and says, Coach Herman, what's been going through your mind these two weeks? What did you say to your players? And he said, this is what I said to them. Trust your training. Trust your training. He said, we've gone over this many, many times. We know we'll be in hard situations, and we've trained them. And that's what we need to do in our schools, to train them and encourage them to trust their training, to stay the course, continue in what you have learned. This is a good world. God has made you in his image. Sin is a reality, but God has the solution, and he is the only one that has that solution to deal with our sin. Moving on to verse 16. Uh, in verse 15, he refers to the sacred writings. Now, that's the Old Testament, right? Because the New Testament hasn't been written yet. But then he goes on to say, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. I had a parent a couple years ago uh, ask me over coffee, Father Wismer, do you use the Bible in your religion class? And I said, that's all we use. That's our textbook. That's what we do. In primary school and lower school, we expose them to stories and characters and truths, sort of a, a, a scattered effect. I said in middle school, we try to bring it all together and show them how it fits together, how it makes sense, how it works. It's sort of like taking all the parts of a car, looking at them individually, but then having to put them together. Will the car take me somewhere? Will it work? So yes, we do use the Bible. They have a religion class each week and two chapels. On top of that, we offer Bible study for our middle school students before school. We have almost 300 students in our middle school. And on a normal week, we have over 100 of them come for extra Bible study. Yes, we feed them donuts. But, <laughs> but they come and for half an hour dig a little deeper into God's word. So it's a real excitement. I had the privilege of being a personal assistant to someone named John Stott, and he wrote 35 books. He was a chaplain to the Queen, and uh, in 2005, Time Magazine said, uh, uh, estimated that he was one of the most hundred influential people in the world. And at the la end of his life, in 2007, he published his last book, and in his book he said, this will be my last book. I want to say the things that I think are important, and it's called The Radical Disciple. And it's radical not in the sense of I'm going to change everything because the Latin root for radical means the root. What's the essence of the faith? What do Christians need to know to be a disciple? And what we're reading right now in Paul's letter to Timothy are the Apostle Paul's last published words probably. This is probably written weeks or months before his execution, which he would have known was coming. And so Paul wants to encourage us to sink into the scriptures, to live out what we've been learned, to stay true to it, because it's a gift from God and is needed to be uh, for us in discipleship. And the point, of course, isn't just head knowledge, but it is so that we're equipped for every good work. At St. Francis, we make a lot of the phrase to become people for others. Did you know there's only one way to graduate with distinction from St. Francis School? It's not academic, it's not athletic, it's not artistic. 
It is simply people who have demonstrated that they desire to be people for others and they engage in community service and helping others. And that's how you graduate with distinction. And so our learning in the scriptures is meant to make a difference. It is a purpose to bring peace in this world. Reconciliation, justice, compassion, and transformation. Moving on to chapter 4. In the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message. Be persistent whether the time is favorable or unfavorable. Convince, rebuke, encourage with the utmost patience in teaching. That's what our teachers need sometimes, utmost patience in teaching. This week we had their groundbreaking, as uh, Susie alluded to, groundbreaking of our first building for the high school. Uh, we had a big party, we had a pep rally, and then a football game, and lots of kind of festivities. And it made me think about what we do in church on a Sunday. I love pointing out to our students that uh, the Sabbath is Friday night to Saturday night. I grew up thinking that Sunday was the Sabbath, day of rest. So when I went to church, I had, uh, expected to get a little rest, especially if the sermon was boring. I could have a little snooze, get rested, lick my wounds from the week. I'll be good. So I asked the kids, well, why do Christians gather on Sunday morning then if it's not the Sabbath? They're usually not quite sure why we do that. And then one of them usually puts up their hand, it's the day of resurrection. I said, yes, it is. Our Sunday morning is not like the little meeting at the end of the game where the coach huddles with the players and said, okay, what do we do right? What, we, what did we do wrong? Now go get a shower, have something to eat and go home. No, our Sunday morning is meant to be like the pep rally. It's where we're, we remind each other who we are. We sing the songs, we hear the readings, we say the prayers, we fellowship together so we can get excited and take this out into the world. This so desperately needs it. The fellowship and the faith and hope and joy that's out there. So this is meant to be like a pep rally. I sometimes saw people in chapel, I think it would be uh, wrong if I said something that was wrong or controversial in chapel and school. I think it would be even more seriously wrong if I made the gospel boring. The gospel boring. There's a lot of talk about rebuking. Turn back in your bulletins to the prayer of humble access. I just think if we read this on page two, uh, page three. No, sorry, page two at the top. I think if we read this prayer and really believed it, we would kind of be shaking in our boots. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid. There's a lot of secrets in my heart that I'd sure like to keep hidden from God. Do I really believe he knows everything that's going on in here? Because if he does, I do probably need to be rebuked from time to time. The church needs to reclaim its moral authority to say what's right and to say what's wrong. There was a Greek philosopher named Epictetus, and he drew a contrast between a false philosopher who's just out for his own glory and a real philosopher who sought for the good of his hearers. He said, the invitation of the real philosopher is, I invite you to come and be told that you are in a bad way, that you care for everything except what you should care for, that you do not know what things are good and what are evil, that you are unhappy and unfortunate. 
The philosopher's lecture, he said, should be like a surgery. When you go away, you ought to have felt not pleasure, but pain. And someone else went on to say to Socrates, Socrates, I hate you because every time I meet you, you make me see who I am. Students in our school, students are longing for a teacher who loves them, who will correct them. Athletes who want to become good athletes look for a coach who loves them enough to tell them what they're doing wrong and what they should be doing better. Sick people who know they're sick want to go to a doctor who will tell them that they are sick and that they have a procedure for it and although it may be painful, they can cure them. When we come to church, we are reminded of these things. That God is a good God. We are made in his image. Yes, we have faults and we have sinned, but there's a solution. And we can get right with God. Look at the Jeremiah passage just briefly. If you at the very end, what's the purpose of education? Because God says the time will come when you don't, people won't, say to, won't teach one another, know the Lord. Because we'll all know him. And have our sins forgiven. So the point isn't a buildup of knowledge as much as it is a well-being. Socially, emotionally, physically, and spiritually to be on track with God. In verse 3 and 4, we have to be careful that we don't accumulate teachers that would just say what we want them to say. Do you see in verse 3 and 4, they will accumulate with itchy ears. It's a very graphic image. If you have itchy ears, you probably have an allergy. Verse 5, as for you, do the work of, of an evangelist, carry out your ministry. We need to speak the truth. We need to live it out. We need to help our children do that. Here in the epistle this morning, we see the great apostle Paul giving final challenging instructions to his protege, Timothy, Inspiring him to stay true to the message of the Bible. He says the same thing to you and to me this morning. As we look back on this Episcopal School Sunday, we look back on a rich history of 60 years of God's blessing. And we look forward down the future to see what God will do. We have an opportunity to be a part of that. Not so much to build a field house and a building, but we're building up young men and women who will make a difference in this world, training them up, encouraging them, being their cheerleader. It's an exciting day ahead, and it will call for perseverance, opposition, confusion, frustration, but God will be with us, and we will cheer them on. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.